1640 KYCR Golden Valley. We think that listening with our app is a great investment of your time. Download it free today. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. More death threats against members of Congress. A northeastern Kansas man is facing a felony charge of threatening to kill one of the state's congressmen. But a trial for 31-year-old Chase Neal of Lawrence has been postponed indefinitely so that a federal judge can decide whether he's too mentally ill to help his lawyers. Federal prosecutors contend in court documents that Neal developed a fixation on eastern Kansas Republican Congressman Jake LaTurner. Neal is accused of threatening to kill LaTurner in a June 5th voicemail message left at LaTurner's office and continuing to make threatening calls the following day. U.S. District Judge Holly Teeter ordered last month that his mental health be examined. Keith Peters reporting. On Wall Street Friday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 828 points, closing at 32,861. The Nasdaq up by about 310 points. This is SRN News. We noticed we had a leak in our roof. Hey, I'm Brenda from Stillwater, Minnesota. We noticed some water staining in our ceiling by our chimney. This is our first time working with JTR Roofing. A close friend had recommended them and had a great experience. They ended up replacing our roof and performed the work on our chimney. I would recommend JTR Roofing because they were reliable, friendly, there were no hidden costs in their quotes, and the craftsmanship was outstanding. Not only do they do an outstanding job on our home, but also they support the community. They've had a good reputation in the 30 years that they've been in business. And just overall, it was just a wonderful experience working with the company. I was absolutely satisfied with the work. Absolutely. We're thinking about having our windows replaced and we will be calling JTR. Go to JTRRoofingInc.com. That's JTRRoofingInc.com. Dr. Gorka here, and you know me. I am very cynical about products, especially those that claim to help people suffering from pain. So when I tell you that Relief Factor truly works, I want you to know that I mean it. I suffered from a stiff lower back for almost a decade, one so painful it made it difficult to kneel in church on Sundays. When I finally decided to give Relief Factor a try, I didn't ever imagine that I would find myself free of the pain. But that's what happened. Now I take Relief Factor every day. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it worked for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Is it his time? Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. It's the King Banyan Show, your source for penetrating economic insight. 
razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. Oh, God, that's all I need. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Let's go while we're young. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Good morning. Welcome. King Banyan Show on a bright, sunshiny Saturday, last Saturday of October. Uh, also, um, potentially for some people starting to get to the end of the golf season, which is not fun, but also the end of the baseball season, the world series has begun with an exciting game last night, won by the team that was visiting the team that people, um, don't expect to win the Philadelphia Phillies won last night, six, five over, over the dreaded Houston Astros. Uh, and, um, and uh, yes, this is an economics show, economics and finance. But we're gonna we're gonna tie this we're gonna tie sports to it because, sure enough, I found an article and 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 Daniel uh, pointed to me to an article is was pointing out to me, uh, in the green room, these articles that cropped up like kudzu, and this happens usually during the Super Bowl where where because it's the beginning of the. Because it's the beginning of the year, the, so the the champions the champions of the two conferences are chosen uh, are chosen at the end of January. So you get these articles in the two weeks running up to the Super Bowl. Always, that say, well, if the AFC team wins, then the stock market goes up, and then if the NFC team wins, then the stock market goes down. And I never report this stuff normally because I think it's just garbage. It's just, you know, it, it is, uh, you know, because uh, I use this when I teach, when I teach the first year students, I teach them, I, I teach them a number of things. I say, you've got to know a little math in my class, so let's review what the little math is. And I say, you got to learn a little logic in my class, so let's learn a little logic. Uh, and one of the things we teach in the logic piece is post hoc ergo propter hoc. After this, therefore, because of this. So Daniel points me toward in the direction of these stories, which I had seen and I confess had just decided, well, they're all they're all hot garbage. I'm just not really interested in them at all. Um, but Daniel points me points out to me this morning these stories, which I had seen and, and ignored until he brought that back to my attention about the the the, the correlation of Philadelphia baseball success. And economic calamity. See, I told you to get back to economics. So, Daniel, um, what do you think of this? So, it caught your eye. You decided to bring it up. Um, so, what do you think? Well, I think it's coincidence and it's a little silly, but it is kind of a fun trend with Philly baseball. So, it's it's at least something to look at. It's kind of fun. All right. So, here's a breakdown just to make sure everybody understands, right? The, I believe it's the first time the the Athletics won the World Series. I'm going to have you go double check me on this, but I don't think they ever won until 1929. 1929. They did win in 1929. I'll have to double check if that's the first. I think that was their first. I'm not positive of that, but but I'm pretty good on my history. I mean, I I'm going to say probably first in the 20th century. There could have been like an 1880 something. Where Philadelphia won, I'm, but I'm going way, way, way back, and I, I, my knowledge of 19th century baseball history is not as good. Um, they repeated, by the way, in 1930, and of course, the world is in the Great Depression. Now, 
I would contend that calling 1930 the Great Depression is not necessarily the best way to think of things. I actually, I actually remember the Depression being there's a stock market crash and there's a period in which things go 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 sort of sideways for a while, and then we really go into the Depression in 31, 32. But but I don't want to argue uh, history. I, I'll just say this much: I've read the economic, you know. The Monetary Theory of the United States by Friedman and Schwartz, and I've read The Great Depression book by, by Ben Bernanke. I keep both of them on the shelf. They're both wonderful books. Neither of them mention the Philadelphia Athletics. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, Daniel, was that their first, or, was, or when was their first uh, World Series? Uh, 1910 was their first, and they actually they won, won in 11. They repeated again, 1913, ah. and then finally 29 and 30. So this theory conveniently leaves off pre-World War I. Hmm, okay. Thank you. I like that. Of course, they win, they, of course, the next time they win, they're no longer the Athletics. They're the Phillies. Long history about how the Athletics become Oakland by way of Kansas City. Uh, but, the, but, the name, but they had to keep a team in Philadelphia, so the Philadelphia Phillies are now the team in Philadelphia. Um, if I remember right, I think there were two teams in Philadelphia at one time, uh, one in the American League and one in the National League. But that I, is I'm correct. Sure. They shared a stadium, actually. Scheib yeah. Stadium? If That's off the top Scheib of my head, stadium. so don't yeah, yeah. quote me. Very good. Very good. Yeah. And so the athletic, were the Athletics the American League team? or? Uh, yes. All right. So the Phillies were the National League team, and I don't think they were initially the Phillies, but they became the Phillies pretty early on. But anyway. Who cares? It's Philadelphia. We hate them. Um, the the Phillies the Phillies win in uh, 1980, and of course that's the start of the double dip recession 1980 and 1982. And then the next time they win, 2008. Well, what's going to happen now? People would say. Um, so if you believe in this, I mean the only problem with this is. If you, as, as uh, the article I'm reading, which is on OutKick, which is uh, one of my, my favorite pastime websites, um, uh, is uh, the, the theory on that is if you don't want the economy to go into recession, you have to root for Houston. Well, I can just tell you right now, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I am just not doing that. So, anyway. Um, anyway, that's, that's just, that's what's there. Uh, and you're right, Daniel. It is a bit of a, it is large. It is just coincidence, because um, the Astros, because there's, and, and we better hope so, because we don't want the Astros to be the saviors of the free market, <laughs> right? All right, good. Um, done and done. Uh, you know what? I'm already watching. Uh, I'm already watching pro basketball, so I've moved on. Even though my, my New York Giants are 6-1, and one, um, I'm not falling for that. Uh, anyway, you're listening to King Banyan Show here on the Biz 1440. We are not, we are not a sports show. Um, we, try, we try to tie everything to economics, even when we're talking about, about sports. You know, in my heart of hearts, I'm just going to say, go Phillies. Okay? Because I don't believe in that nonsense. Indeed, I hope we skirt a recession and the Phillies win. And then, and then we'll put an end to that nonsense once and for all. 
Um, that would be great. Uh, we should have uh, we should have uh, bison football this afternoon, starting at two thirty here on the station. Uh, uh, North Dakota, uh, the bison need are are hosting Illinois State this week uh, after uh, having a tough loss to South Dakota State. The Jacks, the Jacks got them uh, not last week, two weeks ago. Um, so uh, so we'll get that. Let's talk about economics because that's what we do. We have we have a special guest in the second hour, Katrin uh, or Katrin Wigfall. I do not know how to pronounce her first name. Okay, I'm embarrassed, but. Uh, she's from the Center of American Experiment. This is the compliment article that John Phelan talked to you about when he was on the show here a few weeks back about the cost of the COVID shutdowns. He was focused on the economic data. She is focused on the education data. And I will argue that in terms of the economy, this might be the bigger issue of the two. And we're going to talk about that in the second hour. But this hour, we need to talk about the GDP report, what we get from other data that were out there this week. We got a, we got a number of things to talk about talk about in that area. And then, of course, I don't have a whole lot of audio clips because this was the Fed quiet week. So two things happen next week that are super important, right? One, the Fed meeting, we think we know what they're going to do. Everybody has pretty clearly signaled 75 basis points is in the cards for this coming week. Um, there's been a little attempt by people to pull back a little bit. Okay. I, I confess at the moment, I do not quite understand stock markets because people are talking themselves into a more, a softer, more dovish path for 2023 than I see coming. Um, and, and either I'm being stubborn or blind or perhaps just Perhaps I might be right about this one. We'll see. We'll see about that. Uh, so we're going to talk. We'll talk about that. Um, I I just think the evidence is a little too far in the other direction. And I want to talk specifically about this concept that really got broached this week uh, by Mohammed Alarian about uh, that I called I think last week uh, financial dominance dominance or financial dominance. All right. Um, which is um, a variation on an old theme in economics that I think we need to talk through in terms of thinking about why the Fed might pivot, won't pivot, when will it pivot, what would make it pivot away from the path that it's on right now. Um, and I think, I think we're getting, I think we're at the point where, where we need to sort of think, think carefully about what it is that would make it do so. Because my argument is with a 3.5% unemployment rate, a recession is not an issue the Fed really cares much about relative to other things that it does care about. But as I said on the show last week, the third commandment, uh, the, the third mandate of the Fed is don't break the banks. And if you go all the way back to thinking about how it how the thing was created, right? We created the Federal Reserve after we broke the banks in 1907. Okay? Before the Philadelphia Athletics won anything. Okay? 1907 is when we broke the banks, and it took us almost six years to create the Fed. Do we think the Fed was created to deal with unemployment and inflation between 1907 and 1913? Heck no. That's not what it was there for. It was there for the purpose 
uh, providing liquidity, uh, providing a lender of last resort to banks. And you can layer all of these other mandates on top of it, but that mandate sits down there at the bottom and it's never been removed and it won't be removed. Then I actually would argue it probably shouldn't be removed. If you go all, if you go back through the history of banking, banking has always worked with a backstop, a lender of last resort. The problem has not been that function, but the interpretation of the function, the capture of the function, the way in which way in which um, central banks around the world have interpreted that to be simply no bank can ever fail or no bank of some size can ever fail. Um, and that, frankly, has, it, it, that, frankly, is something that needs to change, but not clear how it would change. Let's take a break right here when we come back. The GDP report, up 2.6%. Did that really mean the end of the recession? We'll tell you about that right after this. King Banyan Show, The Biz, 1440. Sightseeing in Ferris, at the Mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to the Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Are you drowning in IRS tax debt? I owe the IRS $37,000. Get ready for a toll-free hotline. Take advantage of new IRS tax forgiveness programs that may protect you from IRS collection agencies. They have the power to garnish your wages, put liens on your property, and levy your bank account. Civic Tax Relief can help protect you from the IRS. Civic Tax Relief basically represented me against the IRS, and by the time everything was completed, I didn't owe the IRS anything. Find out about the Fresh Start program that is now available through Civic Tax Relief. Civic Tax Relief's special tax hotline can help you discover all the relief programs available for free. I would recommend anyone who has a tax problem to contact Civic Tax Relief. Just call 800-506-5803. 800-506-5803. Don't wait. Call now. 800-506-5803. 800-506-5803. Hello? Hey, stranger. Oh, hi. Thank goodness it's you. I was afraid to answer the phone. Why? What's up? The credit card companies are after me. They want me to make payments and the calls never stop. Ouch. Been there before, but I got help from Trinity Debt Management. Trinity? Yeah. I called and right away, Trinity contacted my creditors and got my interest rates cut in half. They ended all the late fees and over limit charges and they stopped those annoying phone calls. Bet that was a relief. Yep. Then they put me on a plan that consolidated my bills into one easy monthly payment. That way, I paid off my debt fast while saving thousands. Nice. Trinity even showed me how to plan and meet a monthly budget. So now I'm debt free for keeps. Wow. Do you still have their number? Sure. Here, write this down and call 1-800-936-5496. Can you repeat that? 1-800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. 
Over 50,000 police officers are assaulted each year, leading to injuries and death. They know that if someone doesn't lawfully comply or resists, force may have to be used to obtain compliance. Nobody likes it, especially police. Help police by not escalating. Don't attack or try to disarm an officer. Don't argue, resist, or flee. After the encounter has been resolved is the time to address any complaints. Comply now. Complain later. Keep everybody safe. This message brought to you by the National Police Association. Learn more at nationalpolice.org. Hi, everyone. This is Mary Carey from America's number one travel radio show, inviting you to join Robert and me and Rudy each Sunday as we cover the ever-evolving world of travel and explore the world together on RM World Travel. Tune in this Sunday evening at 7. Welcome back. Don, you heard it right. I did say that. Don writes on Twitter during the break. Did the positive GDP mean the end of the recession? You heard me say that about five minutes ago. And then he writes, I thought you'd been telling us all all this time. There's no recession in spite of two negative GDP quarters. How can there be something that never, how can something end that never began? Well, it hasn't begun. And I still think it hasn't begun. But I also think this GDP report is weaker than the 2.6 would portray for reasons that I think everyone was able to interpret. I think in this case, the people saying, wow, the economy is slowing down, actually have the better side of the GDP report as evidence on their side. They have, they have a better grasp of this here. King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440, 651-289-4477, the number to call with your questions and comments. As you have, if you've listened to this show uh, regularly, you know that inside the GDP number, I typically will pick on particular elements of, or different ways of stating the broadest measures of economic activity that are in GDP. So GDP itself, the GDP number in real terms went up 2.6%. That's a good number. That's, you know, compared to a negative 1.6 in quarter one, negative 0.6 in quarter two, that negative 0.6 is actually a restatement of a number that had previously been reported at negative 0.4. But as I dig into these data, one thing that I thought being very very uh, different and optimistic on this was that um, if I looked at final sales of domestic product, that came in at 3.3, and that's the number I typically interpret. Okay? That's a good that's a good number, but gross domestic purchases, the things that are being bought by domestic, you know, domestic purchasers and particularly final sales to domestic purchasers, and private domestic purchasers came in at 0.1% for the quarter. Okay. Disposable personal income was up 1.7%. The reason why I, I'm looking at this is because I'm becoming increasingly convinced that the number I need to see, the number I need to keep track of, is not the real GDP number, but the nominal GDP number. I want to see the blend 
between i want to see the gdp number without the inflation being taken out because for if you think about and, and i'm going to, we're going to talk a lot about we're going to talk a little bit about a post that was done this morning by arnold kling about 1970s macroeconomics versus 1990 macroeconomics in 1970s macroeconomics and i was a college student and a grad student in the 70s and early 80s okay i went into college in 1975 i took my last class in macro in 1981 my in grad school my formative years were there i wrote my dissertation between 1982 and 1984 yes i'm a slow guy took me three years i was doing some other things too long story anyway I, I had, I had, uh, I, I'm a child of the '70s macro world. I learned the 1990s macro after becoming a professor. Actually, after becoming a tenured full professor, I and I don't necessarily make those those adjustments anyway. Anyway, I still I remember teaching early on in my career here at St. Cloud State that equation of of mv equals py that's the quantity theory of money money times the number of times it turns over in the economy what economists call velocity is equal to nominal gdp which is prices times real output rather than so i like looking at nominal gdp and then comparing it to money growth our belief is that money growth when it drops should eventually pull down nominal GDP, but nominal GDP can be the thing we use to keep our eye on whether or not we're hitting the right target. We have not yet, we have not yet gotten the right inf- uh, uh, enough information to know whether or not we've really pulled down aggregate demand. But this number at 6.7% is very important. As um, Peter Bookvar noticed at uh, noticed at uh, noticed uh, on his uh, website, the book report, um, real GDP did beat estimates. But if you look at nominal nominal growth, nominal GDP, people were estimating a seven point seven percent growth rate, and instead they got a six point seven. They got a six point seven percent growth rate. That sounds good until you realize what that really means is that. Final sales to private domestic purchasers was up that one-tenth of percent, which is the last time we got that reading was the second quarter of 2020, the COVID recession. So that's not, in my mind, good news. In fact, I think of that as being fairly not good news. Um, and, And... we're now reaching that point where we're now reaching that point where we're we're relying on some special factors to boost GDP. The big factor this time, in terms of the contribution, I've got to, I've got to switch tabs on my tables here. Of that 2.6 percent growth, net exports contributed 2.77 percent. Yep, you heard me right. 2.77 percent contribution from growth. Inventories are still running down, right? So I noted when we talked about the last quarter, I said 
the change in private inventories was was a negative 1.9. Inventories are being sold off, and I thought we would get a boost from inventories. We didn't. We actually got another runoff of inventories, non-farm inventories, that subtracted two-thirds of percent from the GDP totals. Do I think, you know, it's very interesting. I was at a talk this week, uh, not a talk, a roundtable, excuse me, of some local people all involved in various portions of supply chain management. Um, a really bright guy that owns a textile, owns a, like four textile plants down in the southeast United States, a couple of trucking companies, uh, a couple of industrial manufacturers. I'm pointing at, I'm, I'm trying to remember them in my head, so I'm pointing around the room to remember who all was in there. Someone representing our local health care system. Um, I was going through all of those folks, and what I was thinking to myself and saying to myself was, w- w- hearing was, you folks are saying that supply chains are really bad, and you're telling me that you have a lot of inventory, um, and you know, so you're not buying additional inventory, and you're pointing out trucking pr- trucking prices were really high, and now they're sort of in free fall. Um, as you've heard me say on the show, I have a I have a brother in the trucking business, and and he too is sort of like things aren't doing particularly well in 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 his part of the country too, which is also Southeast United States. So. If you go through and look at the specific data, the contributions of fixed investment were negative 0.9%. They were a drag on growth. Almost all of that came out of almost all of that came out of residential, which sub- subtracted actually its contribution was a subtraction of 1.4% from GDP. It is hard for GDP to grow two and a half to three percent when housing construction is so deeply in in the tank as it seems to be at this particular moment. Um, So that's the concern I have. Services consumption, household consumption expenditures for services, nice and steady at 1%. That's what you kind of expect. And if I look at durable goods, they're basically flat. Non-durable goods, slightly off. Uh, and what seems to be what seems to be the drag on that was uh, food and beverages purchased for off-premises consumption, take-home foods, not not being bought, uh, not you know so you know takeout that actually subtracted two tenths of percent, but it subtracted five tenths of percent in quarter two. So as you listen to that, you can see what's happening. People are. People are cutting into their savings, even though Jason Furman points out we still have about one and a half to one and three quarters trillion dollars of savings in our accounts that were not there pre-2020. Money that got saved during the during the COVID recession or came to us through the COVID relief packages, there's still a mil five, a, a trillion five sitting out there. Now, people might be scared about spending that. They might be scared about spending that because of the, what the stock market's doing, from what's happening to mortgage rates that's causing them to be, not be able to or choose not to go buy a, a bigger house than they, that they were thinking about getting because all of a sudden they had, the, they had the down payment in hand. The house prices initially shot up, but they're now coming back down. 
put those things together. Put those things together and what do you have? You actually have an economy that is still, I still don't believe the, the recession has started you know, by the end of the second quarter. Did it start sometime in the third quarter? These data are going to make it a little bit harder to make that case. I think the, I now think it's more likely than not that if a recession starts, okay, the most likely time for it to start is probably here in October, November, December. It feels like the peaking is happening right at this moment. And the data I have doesn't tell me that a recession started sometime earlier. But again, when will we know that? Not till next spring, I believe. We'll be back after this. You are listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. I'm sure glad you're my sister, Addie. Yep, you're my best buddy. Mom says you were their little surprise. What would we do without you? Well, you'll probably get your own gum. Yeah, that's true, but you're worth it. Hello, my name is Carrie. I work with Pro-Life Across America, the billboard people. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives to abortion or needs post-abortion assistance or would like to support the life-saving work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or check us out online at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America, educational, non-political, and tax-deductible. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America. Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national health care alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy. The best way to make sure your CPAP equipment is clean is to get new supplies. If you have Medicare, we have great news. Medicare will pay for you to have new clean supplies every 90 days. We'll even do all the paperwork for you to make sure that there's little to no out-of-pocket cost to you. And you don't even have to leave your home. We provide free in-home delivery. So if you're a CPAP user and you have Medicare, staying healthy with new CPAP equipment is easy. Just make this free phone call right now to get started. Sponsored by Specialty Medical. 800-260-1792. 800-260-1792. That's 800-260-1792. We noticed we had a leak in our roof. Hey, I'm Brenda from Stillwater, Minnesota. We noticed some water staining in our ceiling by our chimney. This is our first time working with JTR Roofing. A close friend had recommended them and had a great experience. They ended up replacing our roof and performed the work on our chimney. I would recommend JTR Roofing because they were reliable, friendly, there were no hidden costs in their quotes, and the craftsmanship was outstanding. Not only do they do an outstanding job on our home, but also they support the community. They've had a good reputation in the 30 years that they've been in business. 
And just overall, it was just a wonderful experience working with the company. I was absolutely satisfied with the work. Absolutely. We're thinking about having our windows replaced and we will be calling JTR. Go to JTRRoofingInc.com. That's JTRRoofingInc.com. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. Thank you for listening today. Oh, nice bright sun coming in the uh, office. Remember, I was telling you it was 63 degrees in here. It is a lovely 73 right now. Um, with the sun coming in through the window, it just feels fantastic. I will be outside all weekend. I hope you are too. Maybe the last good week of fall coming up uh, here. So. Uh, Start now. I'm actually uh, mapping out when can I take uh, afternoons off here this coming week because you don't get all the opportunities uh, that uh, the people that live down south do. 651-289-4477, number to call with questions and co- comments after the break. Um, glad, to be, glad to be visiting with you. Look, let me, let me play a couple of reactions that I thought were very interesting. This was like on Squawk Box on CNBC right after right after the uh, report on GDP came out. Um, the, the first one is uh, Lindsay Pixa. Uh, she is, she is a, a, a macroeconomist with uh, Stiefel Securities, uh, and, uh, and she had this to say, cut number four. As we saw lower gas prices, as we saw additional state and local stimulus come down the pipeline, consumers increasingly willing to draw down what remaining savings they have and turn to credit cards. So I I don't think that we're seeing upward momentum in any of the components in the third quarter report. And in fact, also as pointed out, durable goods, when we strip out those other uh, components and look at the the core of business investment, is starting out the fourth quarter particularly weak. So if I uh, let me let me repeat for her this this particular piece. I'm going to look at. Uh, so this is a graphic that uh, was done uh, using uh, using a macro bond, uh, but also including uh, also including analysis from Jason Furman. Uh, if you look at the personal savings rate, if I look at what was there, what at the the share that was going on, right? The average was running around 7%. Savings is now, for the last two months, run closer to three and a third um, percent. So well below the average. But between March of 2020 and September of 2022, um, uh, September 2021, excuse me. Uh, so that would have paid out all of the money that came through the COVID relief plans. Okay, all, from CARES in 2020 to Carissa in December 2020 to March for the American Recovery Plan of 21, March 21. If I go through all of those, I end up with $1.5 trillion, or excuse me, $2.2 trillion in excess savings, okay, over what was there before. If after that, you're below the average, which means we're, we're, we're digging into that savings level. And Furman has been good about keeping track of this. That is, that's subtracted seven-tenths of one percent, excuse me, seven-tenths of a trillion dollars, $700 billion taken out. That leaves you still $1.5 trillion. I'll 
I'll retweet this for you now just to be sure you see it. Um, just to be sure you see it. I'm going to, so give me just a second to, to stick a KBRS tag because you know how you follow the show, right? Uh, is, is to just follow the hashtag KBRS. There you go. Uh, and, and you can see that there. I put it up for you now. And that difference, that change is why I still think there's a way to run in terms of inflation. The ability of policymakers to eat into that, particularly when all you're going to use is monetary tools to do so, is pretty slim. Thinking about 70s macro, and I'll go back to this in the next hour, but going back to 70s macro, the way you dig into it, really, if you want to know how I would teach my principal students how you offset what you think is like a glut of savings, is to tax. Tax it away. But the appetite for taxing by either party right now is at zero. And I know it's weird. Many of my listeners are like, what? You're proposing higher taxes? I'm saying that that if you think if you've analyzed the problem as being excess savings, right, um, you can you can pull that savings out of the you know that excess savings is keeping inflation high because people are just digging into it. Then one answer to that would be simply you could cool an economy through fiscal policy rather than through monetary policy. But there is no discussion of that that's happening right now. Um, go ahead. Six, five, one, two, eight, nine, four, four, seven, seven. I'm sure I'll get a, I'm sure I'll get a nasty grammar three on Twitter for that one. Uh, but, uh, on the same set as, uh, Lindsay was, uh, Austin Goolsby, former, uh, former advisor, uh, economic advisor to the Obama administration had this to say, cut number five. I think recession, I mean, the most common cause of recessions is the Fed raises interest rates faster than the economy can handle. Where that would happen in the sectors, you already see that a little in this, in this GDP. Business investment, housing, consumer durables, the stuff that's interest rate sensitive, that's the stuff that's going to suffer. And the, we haven't said anything about the dollar. With the dollar as strong as it's been, uh, you, you're likely to see even more hit on on manufacturing in, in the U.S. because we're going to be facing import competition that's cheaper. Again, if you look at the if you look at the investment, which is the which is the interest rate sensitive piece, durable goods, yeah, durable goods should be there too. Durable goods actually didn't fall by very much, but we've had two uh, we've had two cores in a row of negative. Uh, of negative contributions from the automobile sector, so that there's that. Uh, and again, I mentioned I mentioned eating out, eat, uh, takeout food has been has been declining. Uh, but if I look at uh, but if I look at uh, fixed investment, down it has subtracted nine tenths percent from growth, and in that area, it's been structures which have been negative for six consecutive quarters in terms of business structures. And if I look at housing after having quite the run in 2021, or excuse me, in 2020 and early 21, it now is subtracting 1.4% from GDP. So, yes, that's what's done that. And the question is, what would you do instead? Not the only report we should point out to you. I should, t- I should take a look also at uh, what happened in terms of personal consumption expenditures this week. Personal income was a touch above what was expected. 
by by growing uh, by growing uh, four tenths percent. The expectation was for three tenths percent on the current dollar terms. Disposable personal income disposable personal income um, in real terms was zero. After two tenths in August, five tenths in July. But personal consumption expenditures, which was a negative 0.1% in July, rose three tenths in August, three three tenths in September. That is that backdrop. That consumption is happening. All right, that consumption is still happening. Um, the news on inflation, though, as I said, the PCED, the, the the implicit price deflator for GDP, came in well below what we expected. But the PCE deflator, the core PCE number that we are trained to follow because we believe that's what the Fed is following, actually ticked up from 4.9 to 5.1. So it is back over 5%, which is why I'm startled to see markets continue to uh, push down yields on the 10-year Treasury to below 4% and have and have futures markets basically drop all the bets they had that the Fed funds rate in 2023 would get above 5%. September, uh, let me just repeat, year over year, core personal consumption expenditure inflation, the preferred measure of inflation for the Federal Reserve, is at 5.1%. Okay, I'll read you the last five numbers, 4.9, 5.0, 4.7, 4.9, 5.1. Yes, we'll talk about, and I'll, I'll hold to the next segment, but yes, I understand the issue with housing prices. I understand that issue. We can go dig even a little deeper in these data and find out more. I'm going to do that right after this here. Listening to the King Banyan Show on The Biz, 1440. The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley. Dr. Gorka here, and I want to talk to you for a minute about 100% drug-free Relief Factor. I've been taking Relief Factor for years now to help me deal with pain in my body. My wife takes it as well. The reason we tell everyone uh, we know about it is simple. We found it really works to help our bodies fight off the inflammation that causes aches and pains. Whether it's the pain of injuries you've sustained or just the natural pains from the mileage over the years, Relief Factor can help. I've never looked back. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it works for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Feel the difference. Are you looking for a unique Christmas gift that will keep on giving? We've partnered with Twin Cities award-winning photographer Wayne Moran for a special half-price lesson offer. 
Wayne will teach you all you need to know to take better images. Better image. Regular price for this five lesson package is $500, now just $250. Only five of these special offers are available, so call the station now at 651 289 4413. 651 289 4413. Hey everybody, Charlie Kirk here. The southern border is wide open and we have to tell the world about it. Our team at Turning Point USA has been working over the last year to have a one-of-a-kind documentary all about the drugs, the guns, the crime, the criminals that are flowing across the southern border. Our team at Turning Point USA has been working so hard on this through amazing frontline footage that shows the Border Patrol agents, shows people crossing the border, the illegal drug trade, the economic and societal fallout that illegal immigration has on the United States. Every single state is a border state. And we here being headquartered in Phoenix, Arizona, want the rest of the country, want you all across America to see what we are living through in Arizona. It's a one-of-a-kind docu-series available exclusively on SalemNow.com. That is SalemNow.com. You guys will see the poorest southern border wide open and what we can do to solve it. If you want to learn about the border, this is your opportunity. Brought to you by Turning Point USA, available at SalemNow.com. Need new windows but don't want to sit through long, high-pressure sales calls? I get it. What if I told you you could get competitive quotes from three contractors after one short meeting with me on any window brand? And it's all free. Visit My Three Quotes online. That's My Three Quotes. Salmon fishing in Alaska at an amusement park in Green Bay or taking a stroll through Loring Park. We're where you are. Listen to the Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Ah, the sun has finally gotten up over the top of my uh, window pane. Uh, It's a little less bright in here. It was just blinding if I turned my head to the left toward the the river here. I'm on the west side of the Mississippi here in uh, St. Cloud at St. Cloud State University. Thank you. Uh, uh, Katrin or Katrin Wigfall joining us from the Center of American Experiment talking about... uh, learning loss from the uh, COVID pandemic, uh, which I find, which I think is really interesting. And yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and announce it now. Uh, uh, Dr. Marion Tupi uh, from uh, humanprogress.org will join us next week. Uh, Super excited. This is a guy I've wanted to talk to for a long time and kind of just popped into my lap and I can't be happier about that. Um, So he'll be with us. He'll be with us next week, uh, which also, by the way, will be job Saturday. Uh, so job Saturday, we'll do a, we'll go a little short on job Saturday so that we can make sure that we get enough time to talk to Dr. Tubi. That would be, that would be just fantastic. Um, uh, so anyway, 651-289-4477, the number to call with questions and comments. Let's look at this inflation data just a little bit more. The inflation data inside the, 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 inside the, uh, the, the jobs, the, the, uh, PCE report. Um, so we're now at, again, headline PCE inflation, 6.2%, core PCE inflation, 5.1%. That, that includes measures that are, that, that are, uh, basically imputed rather than, uh, 
rather than uh, filed. So let me go. Let me grab this data for you just for a second. Uh, let me look at the personal consumption expenditures. I have to go scroll all the way out here, here, here. There we go. Uh, if I look at the price index, okay, core PCE, 5.1%. If I look at market-based numbers, they define these as supplemental measure that is based on household expenditures for which there are observable price measures. It excludes most imputed transactions, for example, financial services furnished without payment, and the final consumption expenditures of nonprofit institutions serving households. That number on a core basis was actually at 5.4%. So what current prices are saying right now is 5.4%. Now, as I said before the break, that will include rent and owner-occupied housing, imputed values for that. Um, So when it says most imputed transactions, it does not take out the housing component. So don't get fooled by that language. Because when I first saw it, when I first was looking, I'm like, wait, does that exclude housing or include housing? But it didn't mention it, and I thought it must be in. So I went back and checked the bundle they were using and went through this long spreadsheet and found, yep, it's in. So um, so on that number, you know, on that number, you can still see that core PCE and market per, market price PCE is still going up at over 5%. So let's suppose that food inflation, which is currently running on a year-over-year basis at about 12%, suppose you think that's going to run off. Yes, we peaked out on uh, energy prices um, in terms of the run-up back in June, and it's been running. So so the last four observations on year-over-year energy goods and services, PCE inflation, 43.6 year-over-year in June, to 34.4, to 24.6, to 20.3 in September. So those numbers have indeed run down. But there's, there's, those aren't surprises. The stubbornness of, of core PCE inflation, I think, is an issue. And I do believe that's, that's also what's being reflected in this comment uh, that was made. i got to go find which, which one this is. Yep. Um, this should. This is the comment that was made by uh, Larry Summers last night on uh, Wall Street Week. Let's just play cut number one, please. The political pressure is a counterproductive strategy from the point of view of those who launch it. Oh, stop. Frankly, stop, the Fed one. doesn't let. Okay, not that one. I think it must be. I think I've got the wrong one. Let's play cut number two. And I think it would be helpful if every critic of the Fed were asked exactly that question. Are they really saying that 2% inflation should not be the goal, in which case they should describe what their attitude is towards inflation and how they expect it to work out over time? Or are they expressing the view that the Fed is acting so strongly that it's going to produce so large a recession that inflation is going to fall below two? This is, I think this is the critical question. And I, I, I would love to ask, you know, and I'm never going to get to ask Paul Krugman a question. I'm never, I don't think, I don't, I don't expect to. Uh, I don't expect him to show up on, 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 on the King Banyan show. Um, I don't expect any of these guys show, uh, on the show. But if I read you those numbers, I'm going to read them to you one more time. 
I'm going to read it to you one more time. What does it say? It says, uh, where, what did it, I just had this here a second ago. What happened to it? Um, did I close that window? Nope, there it is. Um, market, okay, PCE excluding food and energy. 4.7% year over year for July, 4.9% for August, 5.1% for September. I find it utterly remarkable that people would look at that and think to themselves that the Fed funds rate is not going to go above 5%. But right now, that's what the markets say. They say the Fed is going to, going to buckle. All right? And, my, and, and the question could come in one in two ways. Why do you think it would buckle? I actually think there's an answer, a reasonable answer, to what Dr. Summers is saying. I think that reasonable answer depends on understanding the the trilemma, okay, that the Fed faces that I think Muhammad El-Aryan has expressed very well. That's going to be a topic we're going to do in the next hour. But before we get to that, we're going to visit with uh, Ketrin Wigfall from the Center of the American Experiment. My view is if you have a if you believe that part of the capital of society includes human capital, the skills, knowledge, the uh, uh, and entrepreneurship that our folks have, that perhaps that's the bigger cost of COVID. I wonder if it's even a bigger cost than than. Well, I I'll leave it there. King Banyan Show, the Biz, fourteen forty. The institutions use the markets to create income and get better returns for their investors. They are consistent year after year using tools that most people know nothing about. Learn the skills to invest and trade with the institutions at a free investing class in our local Twin City Center or virtually at 952-814-4410. Discover the tools the institutions use daily at Online Trading Academy, 952-814-4410, or go to learnwithota.com. Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time. Time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-884-9018. 800-884-9018. That's 800-884-9018. Hi, this is Lee with the Kingdom Builders. I've been thinking about all the good things I have in this life. A loving family, a great place to work, and a warm place to sleep. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Recently, I tried to count up all the good things I've been given. There are too many to count. I am so thankful for our loving Heavenly Father who has unlimited resources to give good gifts to His children. The greatest of all these gifts is what was accomplished at the cross by the Lord Jesus Christ. God has an incredible, sacrificial love that He would send His only Son to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Eternal life, now that is a gift. 
I hope you are able to stop and ponder and thank God for all the good things he gives to each one of us. If you have any comments, you can email me at lee at thekingdombuilders.com. That's lee at thekingdombuilders.com. Thousands of young people are dying from counterfeit prescription drugs laced with lethal doses of fentanyl. Never take a pill unless it comes from your pharmacist. We lost my 18-year-old son who had a very bright future ahead of him, and it was stolen. Just one counterfeit pill laced with fentanyl can kill. Visit OnePillKilled.org. 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 The